to boldly preach the gospel. Really, in so many ways, that is what Pentecost is all about. This idea of you and I being asked to share our faith, really to share our story. You see, your story matters. Your story matters to your neighbor. Your story matters to your family. Your, your story matters to others. But most importantly, your story matters to God. See, before you were even born, he knew your name. Before you ever breathed your first breath or took your first heartbeat, he knew you. He knew everything about you. He, he knew who you would become. He knew the struggles you would face. And he knew that you would need him. This past week, I was in Lakeland, Florida, which I know is a pretty rough place to be when it's the middle of the winter, right? But I did hear that back here, the weather was actually pretty nice this week. Like, it, it got into the 50s, which means that I think that's short weather for us who live in Michigan. And uh, we were down there, and, and I was sitting around the table with individuals talking about this idea of what it means to be Pentecostal, and, and really focusing in as well on, on what are we trying to train up in the younger generation. I was at Southeastern University, a, a great Assemblies of God college that we have, and, and as we were down there, Jordan had come with me because it's a school she's actually looking at as well. Now, mom and dad aren't really keen on the idea of her moving to Florida, uh, not so much because we would be jealous, but because we'll miss her. But there's something that I'm coming to realize in my life, and that is, is that the greatest legacy I could ever pass on is the, the legacy that I give to others. If my daughter will continue to love Jesus, which I know she will, and continue to do great things, I, I've told her this, she will do even greater things than her mother and I have ever done. I believe that for not only my daughter, I believe that for my boys. Because what I'm doing is consistently trying to deposit things into them so that they can do even greater things. Come on. Listen, like there's never a spot in our time or in our life where we stop doing that. So even as you maybe are getting a little older, I, I'm getting ready to turn 40 here soon. I know. It's over the hill, they say, from there. I know some of you are like, hmm, 40. If I was only that young. But I'm telling you, there are things in my body that are starting to hurt <laughs> in ways that I never dreamed. No, I'm just joking. I just thought I would say that just to say that. But No, but I am. I'm getting ready to turn, turn 40, February 18th. I'll turn 40. Don't forget my birthday. <laughs> but uh, February 18th, I'll turn 40. And, and, and really, even before that, I've been processing through this idea of passing on to others, this idea of, of sharing my story with others, this idea of, of, of what I can give away to other people. And, and I just want to challenge you with that thought because these past, that last week and this week, we're looking at this idea of what it would look like to, to boldly preach the gospel. As I think about what it means to boldly preach the gospel, I think about how inadequate I am in myself. How many times I don't have the right words to say. People ask questions, you know, and we begin processing through those things, and I don't always have the answer. As Jordan and I were driving in the car, she looked at me and asked me a question. It was a pretty big question that we just began talking through and dialoguing, and she said this. She said, Dad, are, are gay people born gay? Great question, right? I mean... Let's process through that. And we just began talking about that, and I shared things that, that I feel, and then I began sharing even parts of my own story, and then I began sharing what God's Word says, and, and we just had a dialogue about that and just processing through that. There's, there's nothing wrong with questions that come, and, and we get to process through those things, but, but there are moments even like that where there are times where I go, man, I feel inadequate to give answer. I, give it, I feel inadequate to give 
all the reasons and, and why and, and understandings of, of all these various things that we're faced with in society. But here's what I can tell you. There's one thing I know, and I know that's my own story. And so I began sharing pieces of my own story with my daughter and talking to her about how in my own life I have had to make choices. And yes, there are certain things that, that we have propensities towards. I, I believe that people do have propensities towards certain things. It's just like some of you have a propensity towards liking ice cream, and others of you do not. Now you may say, well, Pastor Brian, come on, that's not really, and we're not going to get into that whole discussion piece right there, so don't, don't get too excited. But what I'm trying to say is that many of us feel inadequate in responding to people's questions about God, questions about things that are going on in culture. But I believe that is what it means to be Pentecostal. That's what it means to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because there are times when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you don't know exactly what you're even saying. You, you're like, where did that come from? Where did that scripture verse came from, come from? That's why it's so important to hide God's word in your heart. It says, in, in the scriptures, I have hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why? Because there are moments when sin begins to creep up, but the word of God comes in and nails it. it says, no, 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 that's not who you are. That's not your identity. No, you're, you're, you're an overcomer. That's not who you are. Our whole movement has been built upon this idea of the gospel going forth. In fact, the Assemblies of God, which is the fellowship that we're a part of, and I believe this, I believe the Assemblies of God is, is, is one of the greatest fellowships um, that you could be a part of right now. And I'm not just saying that to say that. I know a lot of you are like, I don't even know about the Assemblies of God. I don't even understand the Assemblies of God. I understand that. But here's what I want to tell you. The Assemblies of God was formed in, in all around this idea of, of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. How many think that to the ends of the earth the gospel should go? How many think it's important that the, the, the message of Christ goes forth and that it, that it begins to go to people who have never even heard the name of Jesus? How many, how many think that's important? That is a part of the mission, but I can tell you this, that mission seems overwhelming. That mission seems like you and I are so inadequate, but, but I love what Acts 1.8 says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and... And here we go, to the end of the earth. To the ends of the earth, that every man, woman, boy, and girl would hear and realize the name of Jesus. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is, is for you and I to be powers, to be witnesses, to boldly preach the gospel. This idea of boldly, fearing, fearless, daring, courageous, clear, and distinct, beyond the usual limits of conventional thought or reaction. I've loved soaping in Acts, have you not? It's just, it's just been so encouraging to, to be in the book of Acts in this first part of the year. And I think one of the reasons why is because in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the heartaches and the hardships that they face, what you see is people who do not turn their back on God, no, no only continue to move forward. I mean, Paul, look at the things that man encountered. But I love how his response is. I mean, listen, he, he could have been off the hook, but he says, it's what in, in uh, 26, chapter 26, he says, I appeal to Caesar. The reason why he's appealing to Caesar is because he wants the gospel to go forth, and he knows that if he gets to stand in front of Caesar, guess what he gets to tell? His story. And you know what Paul knows? Paul knows his story matters. He knows that he will literally have front seat audience with Caesar. And so he's like, please send me. When you think about what Paul is doing, Paul is taking the gospel out in a way that really, really is pretty, pretty challenging. I don't know too many of us that would be like, please keep me in prison so I can go tell other prisoners about Jesus. I don't know too many of us that would say, please, please put me on a boat and please shipwreck the boat and put me on an island with other people so that they can then hear the message of Jesus. None of us are hoping for those things. But yet, Paul, that's his story. 
his story matters because he was someone who continuously took one step after one step. Now, did Paul know all the steps that would happen in his life? No. But what Paul knew was all he had to do was take the next step and the next one and the next one and at the same time be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel would go forth in a way that would be life-changing. This past Easter, we actually looked at a passage in Mark chapter 2, and that's where we're going to stay today, actually. We're not going to be in the book of Acts, but there may be times where I go back to it. But Mark chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you can open up there, or you can pull it up on your phone. Mark chapter 2, what we see here is Jesus, his public ministry has begun. People are hearing about him healing individuals. They're hearing that he's a miracle worker. Like Pastor Ron was talking about this past Wednesday, he was talking about signs and wonders following. And he was talking about how you and I, like the early church, was experiencing that. And that's what really people's lives were being changed because they were seeing it. They couldn't deny it. Here, people are seeing miracles happen. They're seeing Jesus do amazing things, and they're following after him, and they're and they're, they're gathering around him so much so that, that their crowds are beginning to form. And here's what it says. And when they returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Speaking of Jesus. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. He was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him, because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word that does not return void. And Father, I pray that today as we walk through your word and walk through this passage, God, a passage that's probably very familiar to many in this room. I pray, though, that today, God, you will illuminate the words of these pages to speak to their hearts and lives like never before. Father, that we would go from simply knowledge to action, that we would put into practice the very thing that this passage challenges us to do. And Father, I pray that we would be receptive and open to receive from you and to realize that our story matters. In Jesus' name, amen. So for sake of names today, I, I want to add some names to the story now just so that you can keep track of it, okay? And I was, I was thinking through some names of some stories, you know, some guys in the story. So, so I'm going to name the paralytic man today, I'm going to name him as George, all right, as George. So George is a paralytic man. And then there's says there's four other guys in our story here today, and I'm going to name the, the four other guys as Bill, Tom, Ron, and John. Okay, so Bill, Tom, Ron, and John. Now you may say, so Pastor Brian, is this, is this biblical? No, I'm totally adding to the scriptures right now in this moment, okay? I'm putting a name to them just for you and I as we're discussing this passage and kind of walking through it, okay? So I'm not, not adding to God's word in a way that, you know, makes it bad. I'm just giving names to the characters in our story. So here's this guy named George, right? And George is a paralytic. He can't walk. Now, we don't know much about his story, but we do know this about George. We, we know that George can't walk, which means he has to be reliant upon others to even get around. He's so reliant upon others that, that people probably saw him. Now, a practice during this time is they would take a, a, the paralytic and they would normally bring them outside of the temple where he would then beg for alms. He would ask people to, to show pity or show mercy to him and, and, and would give some form of alms to that man. What would happen in that moment is that that would be continuously his story, but, but for some reason, this guy, George, has four guys 
who love him in some sort of way. They, he has some type of relationship with them. We don't really know what the relationship is. We don't know. Maybe, maybe George, and this is just totally, maybe George was, was when he was younger, maybe an accident happened that caused him to be paralyzed. And maybe, maybe this is George's four buddies growing up. I mean, there could be so many different pieces to the story of, of how George got to where he is. But what we know is we know that George is paralyzed, and there are four guys who bring George onto the scene. Now, the thing they realize is, is if they can just get George near Jesus, that a miracle can happen. And I want you to make note of that today. If they can just get George near Jesus, the miracle could happen. All you got to do is get him near him. All you got to do is get him around Jesus. And so Bill, Tom, and Ron, and John decide this is the moment. This is the time. Jesus is there. So they get him. And it says this in verse 1, And when he had returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So Jesus is home. The news is spreading. Bill, Tom, Ron, and John find out that Jesus is there, and, and they think in their minds, you know what? If we can get George to Jesus, that will change everything. Man, I mean, blind people are being healed. Paralytic people are being healed. And immediately their mind goes from themselves to George. Verse 2, many of them were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, when he was preaching the word to now think about this for a minute. I mean, there's this large group of people. There's so many people that the, the, the room is packed. I mean, just imagine a room being so packed. People are in the doorway. They're, they're trying to get in. And here comes these four guys carrying this guy on some type of stretcher, some type of, of thing to get him to Jesus. And they, they come, and, and the four guys come, and, and they're trying to get in, and they're like, come on, we just got to get him to Jesus, and, and yet they can't get through. Now think about the people who are there in that room. They want to see Jesus as well. We don't know what they're there for, but, but they're probably expecting and wanting to receive something from Jesus as well. And here's this paralytic man, and it's the same person that everyone else has seen. And maybe what went through the minds of people who were sitting there, now get this, Listening to Jesus was George is too far gone. Why let George in? George is paralyzed. What? George, George is too far gone. George, George, George doesn't need Jesus right now. No, 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 no. I need Jesus. George doesn't need Jesus. I need Jesus. And so so think about this. The men come and try to get in. Ron and John are like, dude, get out of the way. I'm trying to bring George through. Tom and Bill are like, come on. But no one's budging. They just want to hear Jesus. They just want to take in and receive. Are you seeing where I'm going? Like, they just, they just want to receive. They're like, no, George doesn't need Jesus. No, 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 no. I, 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 I just... I, I need Jesus, not George, me. I, I need Jesus. So no one lets them in. Which brings me to my first point today, and that is this, is that you and I have got to see the need around us. We've got to stop sitting in church every week and saying, it's about me, 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 and we've got to start seeing the need that's around us. There are Georges all over our community. And what would be really easy is for this place to get crowded every week and for us to come in and to think, man, it's great. I get to be in the presence of Jesus. I get to worship with other believers. I get to learn. I get to grow in knowledge. And it would be really easy in those moments to actually stop seeing the need of the Georges in our life. The ones who, if they could just have one encounter with Jesus, would change everything. But we get so crowded, so busy, so focused in on, on us being touched by Jesus that with that we miss it. It says, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. See, what I believe really was happening was 
was Bill, Tom, Ron, and John simply knew that one encounter with Jesus could change everything. That one simple encounter with Jesus could change everything. Now for them, they thought, they thought that what, what George needed was a healing in his body. See, some of you look at other people around you and go, man, if that person would just get to church, man, like God could heal their marriage or God could heal them physically or God could, could change their financial situation or God could change the brokenness of, of their family or the, the brokenness of their relationship with their kids. And, and a lot of times we could think that that's the reason why that person needs to encounter Jesus. But, but Jesus sees past the need and sees really to the heart. Yesterday I was flying home, and uh, I just love how good God is. He, he's just, he is just a good God. Put me and Jordan right in first class. We're flying home in first class, and if you've ever flown, flown in first class, like it's, it's like a whole other experience. And it happened to be that our flight was at 7 o'clock, which meant dinner. So we're sitting there on the plane, and I'm talking with the stewardess, and she's super nice, and we're just talking. She's going about her day, and she's busy. I mean, she is busy, because they are, like in first class, man, they are taking care of you, and they do not stop. And I'm sitting there, and at the end, I'm, I was in the front seat, and Jordan was over here, actually. And uh, I'm sitting there in this, in this front seat, and the end of it, I just, I just felt like I was just supposed to talk with her a little bit more. And I began asking her a little bit about her story. And all of a sudden, she just opens up and she's like, I shouldn't even be here today. I said, really? Her name was Josephine. She said, yeah, my grandmother passed away today. I said, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. She began telling the story of her, her grandmother. Her grandmother was from the Ukraine. Her grandmother, three years ago, said that she would never speak English again. So Josephine, literally the night before, was at the hospital translating for her grandmother. I said, I bet you that was great to be able to be with her. And she's like, oh, no, it wasn't. I was like, really? She's like, no, she was a mean lady. She was so mean. And I was like, really? She's like, oh, man, she was just mean. I said, man... Well, I said, I know that it's still hard when you lose somebody. And she's like, yeah. She says, all I knew today to do was just to come to work. I didn't even know what to do. I just, so I came to work. And I told Josephine, I just said, I said, I'm going to be praying for you. And she's like, thank you. It was interesting because Josephine didn't know my story. She didn't know that she was sitting there talking with a pastor she didn't know all those pieces, and I didn't go into all that. I didn't need to. Because God has a way of putting people in our lives like George and like Josephine all the time. People who need an encounter with God. People who need hope. People who need just one encounter with Jesus that could change everything. One encounter with Jesus changes everything. So many times we think that we have to have all the answers and have to have it all put together. And, but listen, all you got to do is get people to Jesus. Just get them in, in the presence of Jesus. Just get them in the proximity of Jesus. Just get them in a place where they can hear about Jesus. Just get people in a place where they can experience Jesus. And what Jesus will do is Jesus will take care of everything. But you and I have got to see the need around us. We've got to stop being so busy. We've got to stop being so consumed with ourselves. We've got to stop being so busy that we, we're the ones pressing in and making it to where no one else can get in with us. The ones who are really in need. So the scriptures go on to say this. It says, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd. Which brings me to my next point, and that is this, is that you and I have got to push past the obstacles. Look, when they could not get near him because of the crowd. Listen, there will always be obstacles to getting people to Jesus. 
There will always be obstacles to getting people to Jesus. Think about it. They were trying to get George to Jesus, but the crowd was too big. There was too many people, no space, no way to get in. And you know what happens, I think, a lot of times is, is a lot of times instead of us being like, like John and Ron and Bill and Tom, what happens is, is, is we are like the other people in the story, and we're the ones that are crowding and making no room for others. Because we want to hear Jesus. We want it to be about us receiving something. And so what happens is, is we fail to push past the obstacles. How many times have you asked someone to join you at church and they're like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. And then you're like, well, I asked. Come on, push past the obstacles. Push past the things that will rise up. You're like, man, I, I invited that person to come and join me and then they didn't show up. Did you follow up? Well, I mean, I did, but they just said they were busy. Okay, well, keep pushing through. Push through the obstacles that are there. There will be obstacles that will be presented all the time. You know why? Because there's a real enemy who doesn't want Georges and Josephines to ever encounter a real and living God. Because the enemy knows that if people will just get in the proximity of Jesus, that Jesus will then see the need and will fill that need. Just imagine with me for a moment if, let's just say that Bill and Tom Let's say they're the guys at the front of the stretcher and they, and they get to the door and they can't get in. They're trying to push through and everything and they're really trying, right? But people are like, nope, you're not getting in. What if Bill and Tom are like, well, we tried. We tried. I guess it's just not God's will for George to be healed. Oh, I just, I guess, I guess God just didn't want that. But the scriptures don't say that that's what happened. No, no, what the scriptures tell us is, is that they pushed past the obstacles that were there. See, there's a lot of obstacles that will come up. In fact, let me share with you just three quick ones real quick. I think for some of us, the obstacle is, is we really don't believe that there is a real heaven and a real hell. And you know why I know that? It's because I have done a lot of funerals through the years. And people's response is this. This is how we cope with it. Well, at least they're in a better place. And here's the sad reality many times, is those individuals never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And without a commitment to Jesus Christ, the reality is, is they're not in heaven. Heaven and hell are real. Heaven is not the default place. Now, some of you are like, well, if he was a true and loving God, why would heaven not be the default? It's because heaven actually is something that he prepared for those who would receive it. You don't have to earn it. I didn't say earn it. It's receive it. I could have a million dollars right now and say, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but if you did not receive it, it, would not, it wouldn't mean anything to you. You could have this great inheritance there, but if you never receive it, it means nothing. Each and every one of us, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl has a great inheritance that has been given to them. The question is, is will they receive it? The second one is this, is I think sometimes as Christians, we just don't like non-Christians. And that's why we don't share our faith. That's why we don't bring Georges in. We're like, well, I just, I really don't like George. He's stinky. He smells. He doesn't take good care of himself. All he does is beg and wants. I don't like it. They're messy. I don't want Georges in the room. No, 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 Georges are taking up spots where I want more people like me. And the third is this, is that, is that a lot of people think it's not their job. They think it's the pastor's. That's why we pay you, Pastor Brian. <laughs> no, that's not why you pay me. <laughs> well, Pastor Brian, no, no, that is. No, that, that's not. I'm not the only one that can lead people to Jesus. I'm not the only one that has a story. In fact, when I read the scriptures, I believe that each and every one of us are called to be ministers. 
that God has called each and every one of us and equipped each and every one of us and, and given each and every one of us spiritual gifts. We have to push past the obstacles. The third is this, is we've got to take a risk. You've got to take a risk. A risk of what other people would say, a risk of what other people would think. Look at, this, look at what it says. It says, they removed the roof from above him. From above who? They removed the roof from above Jesus. And when they had made an opening, now think about this. If they're digging through this roof, there's a process to that. Imagine, I, I can picture Jesus is down there, and, and because he's Jesus, it was probably pretty cool. But he was probably like dirt was falling. He was like, uh-huh. what? And he's talking, you know, and he's like maybe getting into it, you know, and just these moments and pieces are falling down. He's like, but he's Jesus, so he can see it, you know. He's like, he's like, what? Yeah, doing a little Michael Jackson stuff, you know. And, um, I'm totally making all that up. But, but they remove the roof from above him, and there's an opening. They make this opening, right? There's a process. To, there's a risk. There's a risk as, as people coming after him afterwards. Like, dude, you, you put a hole in my roof, dude. Seriously? There was a risk for them financially. There was a risk to their credibility. I mean, we know how the story ends, but they didn't know how the story ends. What if they had torn the hole in the roof and lowered the man down and he wasn't healed? What if George was like, I don't want it. You guys took me here. I didn't even want to be around Jesus. I didn't even want it. Because here's the thing. George could have said, no, I don't want that. But George received what the Lord gave him. And when he received what the Lord gave him, God actually gave him his heart's desire that he was really longing for. You got to take a risk. You got to take a risk. So I, I can just picture for a minute, you know, let's just picture they're sitting there and they're trying to wrap their brains around. They're like, okay, okay, so what, how are we going to get them in? Like, how's this going to work? And all of a sudden, Tom comes up with the idea, right? Because guys who are named Tom are kind of crazy. And uh, so, so he's like, Tom comes up with this idea and he's like, oh, I got it. What if we put a hole in the roof and lowered him down? And all of a sudden, Bill's like, I think that may work. And all of a sudden, Ron goes into like Mission Impossible style, like dun, 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 And Ron's going around, and he's like, dude, I got some rope. Dun, 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 dun. And like he's, he's, they're all processing through, right? Like this could work. This could work. All we got to do is get them around Jesus. All George has to do is be around Jesus. Listen, sometimes getting people to Jesus is going to take hard work. It's going to take some cost. It may even cost your reputation. Your hands may get a little dirty. You may have to be in a situation that you didn't think you were going to have to. It may even cost you financially. But I'm telling you, to get people around Jesus, it's worth it. So here's my question. When's the last time you took a risk? And not a risk for yourself. A risk for the Georges in life. When's the last time you took a risk for someone else? We take risks for ourselves all the time. But when was the last time you took a risk for someone else? Which leads me to my next one, and that is this, is hold your end. Hold your end. Pastor Case, will you come up here real quick? Dan, will you come up here? Tim, will you come up here? Joel, will you come up here? And Zell, come on up here. 
All right. So, uh, Casey, you're going to be paralyzed. Boom. Lay in the cot. Take your shoes off. Yes, you don't need them. <laughs> you will, though. It's not too bad, is it? Nice. All right. Just lay down. Just lay down. All right. Now. You don't know how to be paralyzed? <laughs> All right, there you go. All right. So, so each one of you guys get on a, on a corner of this. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. I want you to think about this now. We don't know what kind of stretcher or cot or whatever. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to see this visual. And that is, is that each one of the guys needed to hold their end. Each one of the guys had a role to play in the story. Each one of the guys had a specific role in the moment of getting George or Casey to Jesus. Take one of them out. Like if, if Zell, let's just say Zell, he's, he's Tom. And he's like, forget it, I'm not gonna do it. And these guys... Go, on, go ahead and try to, try to pick them up. Just the three of you. Night, just, just pick them up. All right, we doing good? Let's just say that Dan's like, skip this, I'm out. So Dan, Dan's like, Dan's like, forget it. So these guys are like, all right, we can do it. But here's, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about lowering him off the stage. But let's, let's just say that Joel's like, skip it. I'm just not. And Tim's like, okay, I got him. <laughs> Tim's like, I work out. I'm all good. Now, picture with me for a minute. They're on a rooftop now. And Tim is like, I got this. And Casey's like, are you sure? He's like, oh yeah, I got this. I got a whole counter pulley system all devised and we're all set. And he's like, when did you create that? He's like, I knew that this moment was gonna happen. No, none of that could happen, right? They're working on the spot. They're taking a risk. They're trying to figure out how they can simply get it. They tried to go the regular way, that didn't work. So then they're just like, we, we gotta figure out how, how do we get them in? You can put them down, Tim, for a second. It would have been very easy for them to not push past the obstacles and not to hold their end. Listen, each and every one of us have to hold our end. You've got an end to hold. Your story matters. You're, you're holding the end of, of, of a George. You're holding the end of a Josephine. You're holding the end of somebody out there who needs to simply encounter Jesus for just a moment. Just one moment, and then Jesus would take care of everything. you got to hold your end. So guys, go ahead and pick them up. Get on, each one of you, get on an end real quick. It's much easier in a moment when all four of them are working together. If I was to say, okay, guys, go ahead and just take them down the stairs and take them back around and take them back up here, just real quick. Yeah, just go ahead. All right, good job. So just, you're still paralyzed, so stay there for a second. Without the right people holding their ends, it doesn't work. If I took Dan, put on one end, 
Joel, put you on the other end. Go ahead and take him down the stairs. All right, stop right there for a second. Okay, you can put him down. You guys tired? He is heavier than he looks. He's like 10 foot tall, so. Here's the thing. You guys can be done. You can be done too, Casey. Thanks, guys. You guys can be done. The reason it's down there is because each and every one of you have a spot to hold on this. Our community is filled with Georges. Yeah, and we could pack in every week. Now, I, I know the place isn't packed right now. But you know why I think sometimes it's not packed? is because we don't want to tell people because we're afraid we'll lose our spot. We're afraid we'll lose our seat. We're afraid we'll lose our parking spot. We're afraid that if we start telling everyone else around us and getting them to be around Jesus, that it will keep us from being around Jesus. But the story that is the most important, think about it, is the four guys, the four guys who brought the paralytic to Jesus. Aren't those the guys in the story we want to be? Aren't those the ones that we go, man, good job. Man, great job, Bill. Great job, Tom. Great job, Ron. Great job, John. Great job, guys. Each and every one of us have a spot to hold. Each and every one of us have an end that we're to hold. Each and every one of us have a role to hold in this whole thing. And that's why it says they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Every one of them had a role. We don't know how they got him down there, but somehow they lowered the paralytic man from the roof down to Jesus. It wasn't just one. It was four guys working together. Because here's what I believe they knew. And this is the last one, and I close with this. They knew that all they had to do was let Jesus do the rest. says this, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Now please note this for a minute. Whose faith does it say Jesus saw? Was it the paralytic's faith? Don't miss this. The four guys in the story, their faith led the paralytic man to forgiveness of sin. Not the paralytic man. The faith of others led the man who needed his sins forgiven to Christ. There are Georges across our community, people who need to know Jesus. Could it be that your faith, when activated would lead them to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. All they had to do was get George around Jesus and Jesus would take care of the rest of it. All you have to do is get those people who don't know Jesus around Jesus and you can do that. See, they thought that Jesus would heal, heal them. They thought that was the thing. But look what Jesus does. Jesus does the rest. Forgives the man of his sins and then later says, rise up and walk. Jesus is so good, there's nothing that you and I have to worry about to get people to Jesus. All we have to do is say, Jesus, no, 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 no. You're, you're the center of it. You're the one that I want. You're the one that, that we need. All I gotta do is get people to Jesus. 
heard a mom the other day and father, they were talking to their child and they asked their kid, they said, do you want to go to church today? And their kid said, no, I don't want to go to church. And mom and dad were like, okay, we're not going to go to church. And I've been thinking about that and thinking about it. I was like, man, that's crazy because when I, when I was growing up, there wasn't an option of whether we went to church or not. Like my, my kids don't get to wake up in the morning and go, well, dad, I don't, I don't feel like going to school today. Oh, okay, you don't feel like going to school? Don't go, no big deal. No, I'm like, get your butt out of bed. You're going to school today. <coughs> but I'm sick. You're a faker. <laughs> throw up now and prove it. They don't throw up? You're going to school. No, we, I say all that just to say, even with our own kids, they need to be around people who are trying to introduce them to Jesus. Now I say all that to say, you can introduce people to Jesus on an airplane like I did with Josephine. I just simply told her, I believe that Jesus comforts those who mourn and I'm gonna be praying for you. Just a simple moment on an airplane. Did I lead her to the Lord? No, I didn't lead her to the Lord. Did I share my whole testimony and story? No, I didn't share my whole testimony. You know why? Because it wasn't the right place. It wasn't the right time. You know what God had me in that moment? He had me as a seed to be deposited in her life. And what I'm believing is there'll be other people like Tom and Bill and John and Ron and your name who will gather around and hold their end up and bring people to Jesus. Across this room, if you could do this with me for a minute, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. Today, I believe that there are people who, who, need, to, who need to be with Jesus. And you just need a touch. You just need a moment. If you could just get into his presence, you know that everything would change. And today, Jesus is reaching out to you and he's saying, listen, I am so crazy madly in love with you that I sent my son Jesus to die upon a cross so that you could have forgiveness of sin so that your life could be completely changed. He's reaching out to you today because he does love you. And maybe today you're here because maybe someone brought you. Maybe you were here today and you really didn't even know what to even expect, but you were like, man, I'm here. I tell you this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is crazy, madly in love with you. He desires to have a relationship with you. And because he loves you so much, he says all you have to do is ask. So if today, if you find yourself far from God, or maybe even doubting and wondering if he even loves you, if he'll even forgive you, he wants you to know that the answer is yes. Yes, he loves you, and yes, he'll forgive you. All you have to do is ask him to forgive you and to receive the free gift that he's given you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, just real quick, if you're here today and you haven't received that gift yet, maybe you're even watching online, you haven't received that gift yet, this is your moment and this is your time. If that's you, would you just real quickly just raise your hand and say, that's just me. That's me. I need to receive that right now. So Father, across this room are individuals, God, who are here and their story has been changed because someone brought them. Someone brought them and their life was completely changed by simply being in the encounter of Jesus. But God, across this room sit empty seats. And in those empty seats are names like George, 
and they need an encounter with you. So God, I pray across this room right now that you would speak to the hearts and lives of individuals and that they would say, I am going to make it my personal responsibility to see the needs that are around me, to take a risk, to hold my end, to bring people to Jesus. If you could look up at me for a moment, on your seat pocket, or in the seat when you came in today was, was a simple you are invited card. This is a practical way to help you hold your end. Next week is football Sunday. We'll have a big tailgate. It'll be an awesome Sunday. We'll be hearing from NFL players. I mean, like, it, we're going to have a ton of fun. We have some little footballs. Throw. I mean, just all this fun stuff. The whole, the whole day will be themed. We invite you to wear your jersey, your favorite team jersey. If you're, not, if you're not rooting for the Eagles, then don't wear anything else. I mean, like, no, I'm just joking. Just joking. Um, but it'll be fun. We'll have a great time next week. But here's the thing. It is a great Sunday to invite somebody to hold the end. Just hold the end. Say, hey, why don't you come out this next Sunday? We're doing this special thing at our church. We're having a, a big tailgate afterwards. We're not even impeding on the game later, right? You can go watch the game later. We're just saying in the morning, come check us out. Be a part. It's, it's a special Sunday. We'll have food. We're going to have some just tons of different things. The team's been working really hard to put it all together. But next Sunday, so here's a practical way. This week, I'm challenging you to take this card. This card right here and to give it to one person. And I want you to pray over it. And be like, God, who's the one person? Who's the one George right now that I need to invite? And then here's what I'm asking you to do. When you invite him, say, I'll, I'll sit by you. If that means you gotta move to the second gathering because that's when they said they could come, then move to the second gathering. But you would say, I am willing to invest and invite. That's what we talk about a lot, investing and inviting. What does it look like to invest in someone's life and to invite them? Here is a tool right now for you to invest in someone and to invite them. Because the question really comes down is this, is will you grab your end? Will you grab your end? There's, there's people in this room, I know they'll grab their end. But just the simple fact of having two guys grab the end and try to carry it down, guess what happens? They get tired. They get weary. Across this church, there are some people, they're tired and they're weary because they're, the they're the ones inviting everyone. Oh, let's all do it. Just one person. What would happen next week if everyone invited one person and that one person came? That's a lot of Georges whose lives would be completely changed because of one encounter. God is doing great things in this church when you and I activate our faith. And that's the challenge today. Invite Georges to join you on the journey.